Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, then God said, here's your free choice. You can either serve me or serve self. You can either have selfish ambition or godly ambition. You know the story. You know the deal. They chose self. Immediately when that happened, this reverted. And every person since then is born with a sin nature where my flesh rules. My flesh rules, not God. The spirit's the last thing we think about. In fact, many people don't don't even know they have a spirit. You don't have to train a baby to say no. (laughs) Likewise, you don't have to train your flesh to serve itself. It has done that naturally since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. Today, Pastor Mark will teach on the discipline required for man to pursue the things of the spirit. It is a daily battle to die to selfish ambition and redirect towards the Lord's will. How can you readjust your sights onto God today? He calls for our passions and desires to model that of Christ. Seeking to serve God and others should be the primary things that fuel who we are. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he begins his message entitled, Redirected Ambition. 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 What does that look like? Well, maybe for some of you, you're a sports person and kind of looks like this. Climbing mountains, doing all kinds of things in the sport realm. If you take synonyms of the word ambition, it's like this. Objective. Purpose. Desire. It's an aim I have. Or it's a goal. For most of us, maybe it isn't a mountain. Ambition may look like this. Maybe in the corporate world, it's, it's kind of a different thing. I remember growing up in Detroit, that was always the goal of young engineers when they got out of college. You go work for Ford and General Motors or whatever, and you'd, you'd rise to the top. And one day, your office would be there in the corner. And that was their goal. That was their aim. That was their purpose. That was their ambition. I remember living there long enough that people had spent most of their life getting there, realized they wasted their life because it was empty and it was lonely at the top. Well, when you look at that word ambition, we're going to see today it's kind of a mixed bag. There can be good ambition and, well, ambition that's not very good. Look how it's defined. The attainment of something. Well, that's good. Here's the part that isn't so good. Or eager desire for preferment, honor, superiority, 
and power. So you can see that ambition can be either good or bad. Well, how can I tell in my life today, here in Melbourne and Vieira watching by the internet, how can I tell if, well, if my ambitions in life are good or bad? How does that work? Well, here's a question you can ask yourself. Why do I want to succeed? For selfish reasons or for godly reasons? You see, as a Christian, you were designed with ambition. You were designed with purpose. You were designed with goals, objectives that God actually put into you. And after we turned our life over to Christ, we began pursuing these. How we do that determines whether they're good or bad. You see, Ephesians chapter 2 simply says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So every Christ follower, every one of us, we're to live with godly ambition, godly goals, godly purpose, godly objective, and then use that to change the world for God. That's our challenge. Here's three things to write today to start us off as you take notes. Number one, ambition isn't wrong. Some people think, well, you become a Christian, ambition goes out the window. No, not at all. Ambition isn't wrong, but selfish ambition is. There's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with purpose. Paul talked about them. The Old Testament talked about them. Jesus talked about them. He had, a, he had ambition. You're going to see this morning two things. He had two goals. He had two aims. He had two purposes. So we're going to try to dissect today back and forth between these two kind of things that are in your life and are in my life. Here they are. Number one, godly ambition. If I have that in my life, then people are going to see, and I'm going to know in my heart, I'm promoting God. The things that I do, I'm, I'm promoting God. Now, the opposite of that is selfish ambition, where I'm, I'm promoting myself. I'm promoting myself. That's the, the two things that we're going to kind of contrast as we go through the teaching this morning. Now, as you turn to Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is on his way. He's shortly going to the cross. He's going to lay down his life for the world. In fact, that was one of the purposes that Jesus came. Jesus' ambition, goal, purpose, objective was to do what God wanted. And how many times do we hear in the scripture Jesus say this, I don't do my own will. I always do the will of the Father. I didn't come to do my deal. I came to do his. And one of the main things, well, so important for you and I this morning, he came to provide a way back to God. Because our sin separates us from God. You know, I, on a Friday, I did a funeral. And it was wonderful because I love doing funerals, not, be, not because of the, the sadness and all the rest, but for an opportunity to share with people uh, this truth that Jesus provided a way back to God. Most people are confused with that. And they don't understand it. So I get the privilege to just go through the scripture and, and share with them that, well, you can't be right with God on your own. You, you can't get out of your sin on your own. You need God. You need his help. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice 
As we begin this passage in Matthew 20, Jesus knows what's going to happen to him. He knows in these next few days what's going to happen to him. We begin, verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. So it's a private teaching time for the 12 disciples. And he said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he'll be raised to life. This is the third time Jesus has talked privately to his disciples about his soon coming death. But this is the first time Jesus tells them how he is actually going to die. Notice, if you're in this little group of 12, and if you're really tuned in, Jesus says, I'm going to be betrayed. Now, shouldn't a light come on if I, I'm one of the 12? Whoa, you're, you're what? You mean from in this group? But it, it just goes right over the disciples' head. Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. He says, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be illegally condemned to death. In other words, turned over to the Romans because the Jews no longer could inflict capital punishment, only the Romans. He would be mocked. He would be beaten. He would be crucified. But then he says something very clear. He says to his disciples, after three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, amazingly, the disciples don't get it. Well, this is the third time the disciples hear this deal, and they what? They fanned on it again. They don't get it at all. In fact, Jesus is trying to say to them, here's what's going to happen in the next few days. But they couldn't, they couldn't wrap their mind around it. They just didn't. You see, their Messiah, in their mind, was this political savior of Israel and Actually, they're going to be right up there because they're on the ground floor of this new administration. They're going to be right up there. They were always thinking powerful earthly kingdom. Jesus all along had been talking powerful heavenly kingdom with crucifixion before it. In fact, it goes over their heads so much that even after Jesus is raised from the dead... His own disciples don't believe it. Who believes it? The Romans, the Jews, because they put a guard at the tomb. Now, I'm praying this morning, and I can't do this. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Only the Holy Spirit can welcome you, open your eyes, spiritually cause you to grasp what we're going to teach today. I can't do it. Now, I prepared but God's God, and I'm just me. And so here's an illustration of what I'm trying to get you to think about today. Recently, someone took this picture. I have no idea where they get a snake and do an x-ray, but it's a true picture. This four-foot-long pine snake has swallowed two light bulbs. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. 
The disciples are in the dark. The light hasn't come on. This morning, you're not going to have to swallow two light bulbs, but we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind as we go through. Get the principles that we're going to study. I'm going to give you four keys today that you can write down here in Melbourne and in Vieira. Now, keep your finger right there in Matthew 20 and turn back to the book of Galatians, if you will. Galatians chapter 5. God, help us to be perceptive and to learn what he has for us. As you turn to Galatians 5, when you get there, just look up at me for a moment. When Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, they were created like every human being, a tripart being, body, soul, and spirit. Body, the flesh, the soul is the Mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit is the real you. It doesn't stay here. The real you goes to heaven. Well, when Adam and Eve were created, it was an order like this. Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit always ruled. That was the way they related to God. They talked with God, conversed with God, did the things God wanted. Well, then God said, here's your free choice. You can either serve me or serve self. You can either have selfish ambition or godly ambition, You know the story, you know the deal, they chose self. Immediately when that happened, this reverted. And every person since then is born with a sin nature where my flesh rules. My flesh rules, not God. The spirit's the last thing we think about. In fact, many people don't don't even know they have a spirit. Now, when I became a Christian, I said to God, I need help. I'm kind of miserable, can't figure this thing out. I'm guilty, I want peace. God says, fine, ask forgiveness, which I did, repent. And what happens is, because this flesh was ruling, it reverted back to the way God always designed it. So now, as a Christian, the spirit man is to rule. The spirit man is to rule, and flesh is down here. But there's a little problem. How many know, even if you're a Christ follower this morning, you're still a work in progress? Anybody know that here? Okay. If you didn't, you're definitely a work in progress. What does that mean? Anybody this week, even though you're a Christian, the old flesh man kind of ruled on a couple decisions. Anybody? So I want you to do this morning because you got to kind of just remind people where they're at. So we're all equal in this room. And in Vera, just turn to your neighbor and say, watch it, say this. I'm a work in progress. Just go ahead and tell them right now. Just go ahead. Now, let me say, let me give you a clue. If you're married, you didn't need to really say that. (laughs) Why? Because we all know that. If you're dating, it didn't matter if you said it or not. You're in this love thing up here. You'll never get it until you get married. So just come in for counseling. We'll give you good counseling. When you get married, then you can understand it. So what, what does that flesh, sinful nature look like? How does it work? Before we read in Galatians 5, I want you to write this statement down. It's very important. In fact, you could write it in your Bibles at Galatians 5. It says this, while we are doing good, remember evil still lives in us. You see, when I became a Christian, my sin nature didn't go away. It just now is subjected to the Spirit of God. But it can rise, and that's 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, the carnal Christian operates out of the flesh. Romans 8 says, if I operate out of the flesh, I can't please God. So I'm a work in progress, you're a work in progress. And we have to make sure that as we're doing good, there's still this battle in me. And you're going to see that with ambition so clearly today. So every one of us are the same. Now, what does this flesh look like? Well, take a look at Galatians 5. I've asked you to turn there. Look at down to verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Most of us say, well, we're doing pretty good there. Well, just hold on. (laughs) Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Here's the one that we're going to talk about this morning. What's it say? Selfish what? Tell me. Selfish ambition? Selfish ambition is is a work of the flesh? Yes. And it goes on. Dissensions, factions. We'll see how that plays out today. And envy. That also plays out this morning. Drunkenness, orgies. All of you say, I made it through the list. I didn't find one of me. That's all right. Paul finishes with you, and he says, and the like. You're proud he got you. Killed you right there on that one. Now, how important is it that we understand what these are, and how important is it that they don't rule our life? Oh, they're going to pop up once in a while to the top, but they can't rule our life. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, in other words, it's a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if I call myself a Christian, but that list is at home in me, that's really who I am. That's how I live my life very little spiritual at all, then I want to say to you, probably you never ever were really converted. Now, we all bounce into some of those things once in a while. You're going to see how it does this morning. We're a work in progress. But it can't rule my life. So if you're here this morning, you go, well, that's, that defined me perfectly. But I became, I mean, I came to an altar a long time. I went to a Greg, a Lori, Con- a man, a harp, a Billy Graham. No, no, you never really got saved. You, you won't go in the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven. So we have to get that order back in. So Paul says, be careful, be careful, because this is very important. When I was born again, my purpose and ambition changed from focusing on Mark Balmer to promoting God. Now, I have lapses, just as you do, of issues where I kind of want to rule, but I have to let God do that in my life. So... As you know, this is where Jesus begins to pick apart the hearts of his 12 disciples. Back to Matthew chapter 20. Look at verse 20. 20, 20, Matthew. I think it's an interesting word. Jesus just says, I'm going to the cross. Gives all this stuff what's happening to him. And somehow in this private meeting, James and John invite their mom in, a Jewish mom. Look how verse 20 starts. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on the right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now you talk about bad timing. 
Jesus just talks about going to the cross. The very next thing we hear is, hey, can I sit on the right or left of you? Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, James and John, she comes and asks a favor. It's very interesting. Not only is the timing wrong, but of course the whole question is wrong. But remember, Jesus had relationship with his 12. He had the 12, then he had the three, and then he had the one. They were always a little more intimacy in those relationships. Well, the threesome were James, John, and Peter. Peter isn't part of this deal. Oh, that's going to be a problem later. In fact, the other ten aren't a part of this deal. So you can already see that there's... We, we studied about the works of the flesh. Selfish ambition and dissensions, envy, jealousy. It comes as a package. You can see it beginning to happen. Now... First thing I want you to write, there's going to be four keys today, is this. Number one, selfish ambition harms me, a Christ follower. Obviously, neither the mother or James or John understood what Jesus had just said. But you can't really fault the mother. A Jewish mom, for sure, wants really good for her kids. But any mother really wants good. It's a natural desire for a mom or a dad or parents to see their boys promoted, their girls promoted and honored. The right and the left are places of honor, places of power, places of prestige. So James and John somehow got mom to come there, do their deal for them, ask a favor. They were only promoting themselves. They're not promoting God. They're in the inner group. They're looking out for number one. Paul would later write this in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Well, how is Jesus going to respond to this inappropriate, wrong timing, totally off the wall question about ambition? Well, look at verse 22. You don't really know What you're asking, Jesus said to them. So Jesus, well, he answers frankly, and he he answers directly, and he kind of says this, you don't have a clue what you're asking. I think two important keys for us today. First, Jesus says, you don't know what you're, you're asking just for yourself. I mean, I just told you, I'm going to the cross. And your focus is not on me and praying for me and helping me get through this very difficult time that's coming. The focus is on you. What's up with that? Today we learn from Pastor Mark that ambition can be one of two things, an objective, purpose, or goal, or the eager desire to attain something. We saw that ambition itself is not wrong, but when selfish ambition creeps in, we start to have problems. We must strive for godly ambition where our purpose is to promote Him and His kingdom. Only then will we get to experience the fullness of life spoke of in Scripture. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. What is so wrong with a little selfish ambition anyways? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach that not only is it harmful for you, but it can be harmful for those around you as well. Selfish ambition breeds disorder and pride. We're called to be like-minded and of one accord. When we're operating with godly ambition, unity flows in the church and God blesses the diligence of his people. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. Together, let's do life right. Here